Hold on to your butts. Salutations, everyone, and welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. I am Bob Taylor of ColtSpark.com, and this will be a spoiler-filled minicast where we are going to talk nothing but Jurassic World for the next 30 or so minutes. I'm joined for this episode by my podcasting BFF, Mr. Stuart Smith. Stu, how are you, sir? I hope we spoil this for everyone so that no one goes to see it. Oh, my God. But hasn't everyone already seen it? Basically, they kind of have, but you know what? I hope that we can at least prevent it. Even if we only prevent one person from seeing this movie, I, our work our, will have meant something. Our, our work is done. Our job was a success. So Jurassic World. I saw it two nights ago, and in the 48 hours since, I've pretty much done nothing but talk about it and fight about it online. So I apologize and hate it more. I know and, and get more riled up about it. So I'm going to apologize in advance to anyone listening to this who doesn't follow me on Twitter and isn't friends with me on Facebook, although you guys should do both of those things. But uh, if you if you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling like you're joining an in progress conversation right in the middle of it, I apologize for that. But I have a lot of thoughts on this movie. Some of it sprung from talking to people online about it, including you, Stu. And that's brought out some even more thoughts about it. So there's just there's just a lot I want to get to. First off, there's this misconception that I didn't like the movie. And perhaps this also goes for you, Stu. And perhaps it also goes for Terrence, who's not with us tonight, although he did write the fairly negative review of Jurassic World for, for our website, for Cult Spark. But there's this misconception that I didn't like the movie because I was annoyed by plot holes or, you know, character motivation stuff or just general stupid plotting or the sense that the movie is dumb. And look, all of that stuff is true. Jurassic World is a supremely dumb movie. But even so, that's not my biggest problem. My biggest problem with Jurassic World is all the missed opportunities that this movie just whiffs on. Would you agree with that, Stu? I don't know. See, like, I mean, there are there are a ton of missed opportunities. And, and we're going to get into in those. We're not leaving this vague. We're I mean, about those, to those missed in. opportunities are legion. But I, you know, I probably would would have enjoyed this more if it had, you know, better plotting and characters that I cared about at all. I mean, any, anything like that. I mean, I, there's nothing. To, I, I like nothing in this movie. Well, look, I, nothing. Listen, I, I, here's this thing. And we've both run into this online where people say, ah, you're being too nitpicky. You just need to turn off your brain while watching. Turn off your brain and eat popcorn, man. Right. And and I hate that argument. It's he, the, it is the laziest it, criticism you can ever I, levy I mean, at someone. I mean, one, it's lazy, and two, you shouldn't turn off your brain during any movie, summer movie. Why is it that, a good thing that you don't that you that you are wholly unengaged? Isn't like how how is that a positive? How is that anything other than a negative? Yeah. I, like I, I don't get it. it I, I just it, I don't. It, it's dumb. It's a dumb argument to start with. But here's the thing. I can turn off my brain if the movie's good enough to warrant that. 
And for example, take a movie like The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, the second Batman film, which does have some dumb stuff in it. Like the, it has some idiotic stuff, like the Gordon faking his own death stuff, stuff that has gaping plot holes, stuff. The that cell phone no bomb sense. inside the guy's right. stomach. But the that thing makes is, no sense. that stuff never bothers me because that movie is so strong and so good in all other facets. We're talking the acting, the directing, thematically, the larger points that film is trying to make. It's so good doing all of those things. I can easily get to the point where I'm just like, you know what, that other stuff, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to, you know, it doesn't bother me while I watch the film. So this whole turn off your brain while you're watching or ignore that huge plot hole, I can do it if the movie warrants it. Jurassic World does not warrant it. Trust me. It's like I said. It's like I said elsewhere. This is the dumbest movie that I will see all summer, and I already saw the movie where street racing thieves skydive in their cars. <laughs> so true. But 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 that just kind of drives home the point. Like Furious Seven is an idiotic movie. That is a dumb movie, but its plot is consistent. It has well de- well defined villains. It has characters that we genuinely and truly love that the script actually pays attention right. to. Right, those films have their own internal logic that makes right. sense. It doesn't. It's not comparable to real world logic, but certainly. It, but it nor works. would I want it to be. No, nor but, would I want. But it, to it be. works in the context of the universe that the Fast and Furious films set up. This, however, Jurassic World does not. Like if if Chris Pratt had been in Jurassic Park and was training raptors. He would be one of the first people to die. Exactly. Like that would that would not be something that ever happens. Like the minute that he went into the into that pen, I mean he would have just he would have been ripped to shreds. That you know, him surviving any up close encounter like that just I mean that just flies in the face of everything the original Jurassic Park stood for. Uh, yeah, I think all the training raptor stuff is incredibly dumb. They're training raptors. They're training them to be super soldiers. Like, what was, and then like, the smart what, raptors what, what, can communicate with the Indominus Rex. We Let's set up this plotting for a second. In case there's, like, one person listening who hasn't seen the movie. The, the concept of this film is, which I actually like, I think the concept of the movie is sound, is that... You know, 15 years or however many years have passed since the since the quote unquote accident at the original Jurassic Park. InGen now has a working version of Jurassic Park that they've built over top of the original park, and it's called Jurassic World. And it's basically a giant amusement park. It's basically Disney World. There's a Margaritaville in it. There's long lines. It's it's this huge tourist destination that there is, there are exhibits sponsored by cell phone companies. <laughs> correct. And then the concept of this movie is that. Because crowds are getting bored by the same old dinosaurs, the InGen decides to cook up a new attraction, basically. They basically build a new roller coaster, a new bigger, badder roller coaster. But they don't do roller coasters, they do dinosaurs. So they build a new one using genes spliced from all different kinds of dinosaurs and animals, and it's called the Indominus Rex. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay, they build the Indominus Rex. You are correct, sir. And then the Indominus Rex ends up escaping from its from its home. You know, they have this paddock, I guess, that it lives in. It escapes, and then you and you would think it re- would wreak havoc on the entire park. It really doesn't. It just wreaks havoc on Bryce Dallas Howard's two nephews. And, like that, I, that island is tiny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> literally, I mean, you know, a, a good twelve hours at least goes by. Um, from the time that that thing escapes from its paddock, right, 
until the end of the movie and uh and it's just like i mean how how does it not reach the massive right uh you know visitor center and and just completely destroy everything there like within 30 minutes or so which is what i assumed was going to be the movie i was going to get like i get again so this giant worse than a t-rex dinosaur escapes it kind of makes its way across the island toward the park proper uh there's two kids in danger and bryce dallas howard who plays like a parks operations person and chris pratt who plays this ex-navy guy who's hired by this weird fringe of ingen to work on training raptors they're basically tasked with stopping this before it's a catastrophe and was it war. was he hired by them because like i got the I, sense that he worked for the park i was it, right he yeah uh, right, as so opposed like, to ingen i was kind of confused on exactly who controlled the park who controlled ingen and how they intersected because at the one point vincent d'onofrio all of a sudden is in charge and i'm like wait a minute how i understand that the main guy died but how is d'onofrio all of a sudden in charge i didn't well he just he just kind of made himself in charge because like literally everyone else was dead i didn't get the sense he was next in in, in line but okay well he probably wasn't but again like who who was who was going to tell him no okay but like my question like my big question is like what was the point of chris pratt even training the raptors like was it supposed to be for a show was it you know like what like literally what was what was the entire point of that because he clearly wasn't doing it like for engine because d'onofrio's character kept having to convince him that engine should take control of whatever he was doing it's really odd because pratt's the guy who's training the raptors who everyone else from that side of things basically wants to use to be soldiers and stuff but but Pratt doesn't seem to be down with that at any point and seems very concerned about using them in a, that capacity, which has me thinking, well, then why are you doing this job in the first place? Exactly. What are you training for that, them right. for? The circus? I mean, I yeah, exactly. I, like, they'd be stupid to have this be a, a floor show or something. So that's like, the plot. Literally, what, a, like, what else is the point? So the, the training raptor stuff to go fight Al-Qaeda is just dumb on a conceptual level. Agreed. I mean, it's oh, just abs- dumb. absolutely. That's just like, <laughs> but but okay. You know what? Okay, if you want to go along with that, say that's what you're doing. That's fine. But then again, even if you ignore the dumbness, the missed opportunities here. Like I said, when I just from the trailers and stuff, I thought we were going to get a movie where the Indominus Rex busts out messes up the entire park and all of a sudden you have this entire park all the breeds all the dinosaurs going haywire while there's you know twelve thousand people or whatever inside because otherwise what's the point of having an open full functioning park right because that that's the fun of having that in this movie is that you get to see the mayhem break out with that many people around and guess what it never happens you get you get one scene of that happening that's just pterodactyls right Basically, the Indominus Rex never makes it to the park proper. None of the other dangerous... Well, when, he do- when he does, it's empty. Right. None. Of- well, well, right. He makes it there, but it's after everyone's already been evacuated. So it's just Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard and the kids there at that point. So he, but but he never makes it to the main park while while it's still packed. None of the other dangerous dinosaurs that are on display there that have been featured in the other films they never make it to the park. After before it's been evacuated, the only dinosaurs that make it there are the pterodactyls who get popped out of their dome. And then there is a scene where they wreak havoc on the park goers, including that poor, poor secretary slash nanny. Oh, my God. Who gets that's the worst scene in the entire movie. It's 
It, yeah, it does bother me. I know Devin Faraci, Badass Digest, wrote um, a column about it, which I linked to, which I entirely agree with. It's There's this weird morality sort of in that movie where, I mean, part of the fun of Jurassic Park is seeing the assholes get theirs. You know, right. seeing the lawyer get theirs, seeing the hunters get theirs. And this one, the bad guys... I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio doesn't get a bad death at all. Doesn't he even die off screen? Or he does. He does. And it's quick, and it's and it's pretty much off screen. Like you see a spray of blood, I think. Right. Uh, but like the raptor pushes him behind something. So right. you, like, I mean, you don't you don't see him writhing. I mean, just you, you barely see his look of terror when it you know right before it happens. So but the, I mean, yeah, it's the, just the guy we like, would be most excited to see get ripped apart happens borderline off screen while these people who don't really factor into the movie at all are eaten by pterodactyls in horrific ways there is the 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 big water dinosaur factors in there too but it it's it's just out of whack its priorities are out of whack it just it, i don't know it just seems really strange like i mean obviously obviously you want to see people get eaten that's li- i mean that of is course, why you, of course you know that do. that's half of why you come to something like this but you know nobody uh you know no like nobody that you really want to see get taken down you get to see taken down in a in a, in a great fashion Listen, like those these have these are not and have never have been horror films no where nor should they be where you're just rooting for everyone and anyone no matter how good or bad they are no matter where they fall morality wise you just want to people get see people get shredded that's not these have always been adventure films and it's just so yeah i mean that scene's kind of awkward the fact that we only see the pterodactyls and, and and here's the thing that i'm i'm a little wary of it it almost sounds like we're contradicting ourselves Stu. because on one hand we're saying we want to see all the dinosaurs in the park fucking shit up but on the other hand we're saying all oh, that poor secretary nanny got ripped apart by the but those things aren't really contradictory because it's how you portray the deaths it's how you balance them. Again, it's the bad guys getting their comeuppance. And there's a way to sort of string all these things together so that it fits into the context of an, you know, a PG-13 adventure story. Right. Well, it's just, to me, the, the, the big issue with the secretary death is the tone of it. It's like, it's, it takes like two minutes for her to die on screen. And, it, and it's like this really elaborate, long, like it's not, it's, <clears throat> it's bad enough that she is uh, picked up by... Uh, you know, by the pterodactyl and, you know, thrown from one to the other uh, and then dropped in uh, in the the mosasaur right. pool and nearly drowning several times. And then she's eaten by the giant mosasaur while trying to be carried away by the pterodactyl. It's, it's, a, just, it's, it's a very weird fit for a movie right. where the where the villain dies almost on off screen and where the main baddie dino is mostly just killing nameless soldiers and not, you know, cast members. Not again. Very characters. quick. Very very quickly. Like so it's, it's just it's just odd. There's a lot of odd things in this movie. There's a lot of disappointing things in this movie. Um, getting back to missed opportunities, I want to talk about the gyroscope scene because, and this is where I think you get you know the difference between a Steven Spielberg and a Colin Trevorrow. And I'm sure Colin Trevorrow is a nice guy. I mean, he comes across as very smart in all the interviews I've read with him he's 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 obviously a big fan of the first film because jurassic world is very treats it very reverentially but that gyroscope scene man could have been so much better i mean uh, 
just watching it, that scene starting on screen, it's so easy to envision a scene where you have multiple park goers and multiple gyroscopes. They're bouncing around like pinballs, you know, it almost looks like a soccer game out there where you have multiple breeds of dinosaurs bouncing them around. Maybe maybe the one that the boys the one that the boys are riding in falls into that you know how there's like the, the rafting river that's a ride that you see the brontosaurus on the side of. Maybe one of them falls in the water and starts going downstream. That could have been a fantastic, massive action scene. It it wouldn't I, I agree with you. Um but you know, it would have even had to involve multiple ones. Right. Like, you know, just have anything that, you know, where they're in constant peril, you know, uh, trying to run further from these dinosaurs, you know, being thrown down hills. Uh, yeah, I love the idea of it, of it getting in, uh, getting into that river and them having to, to kind of deal with it that way. Or, you know, like you said, pinballing between dinosaurs and stuff like that. I mean, just anything that really takes advantage of, that entire concept and the tools that you have to kind of tell that little sort of mini story uh, right. within that within that sequence. And it just it's it's over so quickly. It's a very and, short scene. The boys are extracted from the gyros by gyroscope, gyrosphere or whatever you want to call it. It's a it's a round, clear ball that they're riding. It's a hamster ball. Park rides. It's a hamster ball. Um, and to me, like that, that scene is sort of the entire movie in a microcosm. Because it's like we have these characters. Nobody, nobody cares about these kids. You know, there's nothing about these kids. They're. Uh, I mean, they're. Just, I mean, this is a series known for awful kids, and right. these two and, are might be the and these awful. These are the worst. They're yeah. wor- They're horrible because they're basically anonymous. You know, like I could tell you one thing about the older kid and one thing about the younger kid. Right. Tim the and Lexi at least had personalities. Right. And I mean, you could yeah. you could you could actually describe what they're like and, you know, their personalities and stuff like this. You have like autistic savant kid and then you have kid who likes to look at other girls that aren't his girlfriend. <laughs> right. That, would, that's really des- pretty much it. I would describe them as horny and upset that his parents are getting divorced there's horny kid right. and there's upset kid even no, though that, that plot threads completely right. just not dealt with either but, i mean that, that's com- that's completely accurate and that and like, that's nobody it. nobody you don't care about these kids by this point no uh and yet you know we're supposed to actually be frightened that the dinosaur you know that the irex might eat them he won't obviously which which and, which and Bryce so, which Bryce and Pratt also know since they stopped to console a dying right. dinosaur at one point but Right, Ugh. but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But it's just like there's just there is so little imagination and creativity uh, in that scene, and that extends to the entire movie. Every single action scene moves at the same tempo. It has pretty much the same beats. Uh, like they just every every single moment of carnage in this movie feels the exact same. There is there is just there is nothing inspired uh, about almost any moment. Uh, that involves dinosaurs wreaking havoc. And it's like, I guess you could, in some movies, you'd say, well, maybe it's just a budget issue. They don't have the money for it. But, I mean, can you ever really levy that claim at this movie? Certainly not. I don't think so. I mean, that, <laughs> no. Yeah. And it's like, one of the things I would have really liked, I mean, a working Jurassic Park is something that's been talked about. John Hammond's original vision has been talked about through all these movies now, and now that we have a film where we actually have one and it works, I would kind of like to see the the majesty and the grandeur of it. And you you really don't at all in this film before the shit hits the fan. 
And there's well, that and, there's that shot at the beginning where the kids get to their hotel. They like arrive on the island. The how, whatever their transport is takes them to their hotel. They check into the hotel, and you can tell it's building up to a big reveal. And basically, the kid opens the blinds, and the music kicks in. And I really expected there to be like brontosauruses or giant dinosaurs like right outside the window when that John Williams theme kicked in, or like a pterodactyl flying right. overhead and because in, somebody's in, writing it or instead, something. Instead, instead, you just get this kind of wide shot of the park and lines and restaurants and sort of what a theme park looks like. But if there's dinosaurs in that shot. I didn't see them. If they're there, they're small. They're not really focused on. It's just like, ta-da, swell music, amusement park. And they don't really dwell on the animals. And and That's one of the infuriating things is that, like, you know, you have this, like you said, you have this great concept that we've been wanting to see uh, since the first one. But then the movie kind of hamstrings itself by uh, wanting to go the the route of oh well nobody cares about dinosaurs anymore right uh, so we have to excite them so we're not going to have any awe inspiring moments because nobody cares about that well they even hide the T Rex and right. I I mean basically before, when you get about 15, you get fifteen maybe twenty minutes before shit hits the fan you see there's the scene with the what'd you call it Stu it's the Momosaurus or whatever the the, the Mosasaurus Mosasaurus I'm gonna call it the Momosaurus because that sounds better. <laughs> The Mumusaur. Yeah, you, you see the Mosasaurus, the giant water one, and there's a little scene where you see kids riding, like, baby Triceratops or whatever. Right. And that's it. And even when you see the T-Rex, it's hidden. It's like they're in the T-Rex exhibit, but you only see, like, the top of its head, and there's kind of a gag where it's all tall people standing in front of the younger, right. the younger brother. And I don't know if that was – because there's – for people that are – old like us do there's kind of the reveal that the t-rex is the original t-rex from the first jurassic park movie which makes no sense i know but like, i don't i don't know if they were trying to hide that or keep that or make you forget about it so that when the t-rex comes back for the climax it's a surprise but the point is is you get no big picture of this amazing park that like you said even though in the movie it's supposed to be old hat it's not old hat for us We've never seen this in a Jurassic Park movie before. Which I mean, that just kind of ma- that makes no sense even within the movie itself. It ca- like that park is down in in South America. God knows how many tens of thousands of dollars it takes. Central for... America, Stu. It's so, Costa is it Central Rica. America? It's I thought cent- it was South America. It's Costa okay. Rica. Get your geography right. Okay, sorry. It's okay. Um, any regardless, God knows how many you know thousands of dollars it takes to get down there to get into the park to stay there, whole thing. Why would you do that? Why would you spend that money if you didn't care? Right. Like no parent would do. No parent would would spend thousands of would spend tens of thousands but, of dollars and see, getting I, getting their family to someplace like that that no one cares about. And the, the right, the park's packed. It's not like we see it struggling or right. But, but again, I mean, but again, that's the kind of stuff that if the movie was good, that stuff wouldn't bother me. It goes back to that Dark Knight story I was telling. If right. you know those kind of things are nitpicking, whatever. If the movie works, it works. But because of this sort of macro stuff, action scenes not working as well as I can envision while I'm in the theater. Works. Nothing in this movie works. Yeah. And then, you know, we got into a discussion with Kurt Larson of Stay Cool Geek, and I've been talking to some other people on Twitter about, you know, being accused of, well, you couldn't possibly have 
you know, had this complaint while the movie played. This must have been stuff you thought of after. Or no, that, that, you know, this was absolutely going through right, my head. Right, and it's like again during the during the film when there's that scene where they take several several crucial moments to comfort a dying dinosaur while their kids could literally or their nephews, her nephews could be seconds from death. Literally, while I'm in the theater, I'm like just looking around. Like, anybody else annoyed by this? Anybody else? They should probably be mo- think they should probably be moving rather than giving last rights to this dinosaur. I do wonder if it's because I'm not an animal person. Now, you have a dog, Stu. Did that scene work better for you because you're a dog person? You know, it's interesting. I, I often, I seriously wonder about this because I did not give a shit about that dinosaur. I'm like, go get your kids. Yeah, it was interesting because it was clearly intended to be uh, this sort of. Big emotional moment, possibly a big emotional turning point uh, for Claire. Is that it? Was that her name, Claire? I can't remember I anyone's just call name. Her Bryce. In this thing. Bryce. Bryce or yeah. Red will do for uh, for not Jessica Chastain. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's clearly supposed to be this big moment. I mean, because she's very. I mean, she's visibly affected by it. Uh, you know, but it's just like, it's in the most awkward part of the movie imaginable, right? I mean, of all the places for, of all the times for you to stop and contemplate, you know, the sanctity and fragility of life. And it's not just a number on a spreadsheet. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, again, I mean, that was clearly the the point. It would have uh, made more sense to have that scene after they were reunited with the kids. Right. Because then at least then we wouldn't be saying uh, your kids could be dying right now while you're doing this. Literally right over the hill. Your kids could be dying. Right. It, I have no problems with a scene like that if it fits in the context of what else is happening in the movie. But it just seems so odd that on both sides of that scene, they're in like the race against the clock to get to the children. Right, it so was just, it was like so that, it was so randomly placed. Stuff like that absolutely bothers me while I'm in the theater. And there were several scenes like that where things bothered me while I'm in the theater. It bothered me while I was in the theater that the that the, the Indominus Rex can apparently turn off its heat signature biologically and and knows how to do that and 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 what time to do that to to escape. And then can also tear out a tracking device that apparently remembers getting as a baby and knows well, and knows it, and knows what it is and knows right. what it does. <laughs> and, I mean, of course, that bothers me while I'm watching the movie. That doesn't bother other people while they're watching well, the movie. Like, I mean, just st- stuff like, oh, he's got he can he can mask his heat, heat signature. He has, you know, stealth camouflage abilities that he uses or that it, she, I guess, yeah, yeah. that it whatever it uses once and then never again. Right. Like how I mean, cool, like how listen, awesome would that be to have like, you know, it's, the, like a, like a big scene where it's using all of these superpowers essentially. Listen, it's a three pronged critique. It's one, these superpowers are ridiculous, but okay, we'll go with those. Right. Two, the dinosaur knows exactly what the superpowers are and where and how to activate them to most benefit the dinosaur. Well, is, not, not, not is, just that, but like how how to use them against humans right. that, that it has never interacted right. with. Which is beyond ridiculous. And then the third prong, which we're looking at it from the meta angle, which is the writers who wrote this movie, who wrote the screenplay, giving the dinosaur these abilities in certain scenes where the, the dinosaur kind of needs them and then never bringing them up again. Like how how does a how does a dinosaur in any way understand what thermal tracking is? Uh, it does that it would have to mask it itself. Can't. That's that is that is the 
dumbest thing. Right. It is, it, it is it's, unfathomably stupid. It's not that the dinosaur... Right. It's not that the dinosaur can do that. It's that it knows what it is to begin with. I mean, it's insane, Stu. It's insane. And this movie made more money than you and I could ever imagine. And and that's the thing. Although, to, I mean, to be fair, opening weekend box office is hardly ever indicative of the quality of it's film. making 25 million a day uh, okay well now uh, listen, this week it has listen, made 25 million a day listen, my friends who are normals who are not movie fanatics they love it i mean oh ev- everyone on my facebook timeline is just flip was flipping out about this and movie. i just want to strangle them all and tell them to go see mad max so much <laughs> it's just you can only turn off your brain so much people <sighs> the, I, I mean, yeah. I, so we can at least we we can at least talk about uh, opening weekend, the first three dates. I mean, that's not really indicative of a movie's quality. That's how much pent up anticipation there is, and how well right. the movie's been marketed and stuff. And I was blown away by opening weekend because I I I didn't think the marketing for this film was that good. Even though I love Chris Pratt, I really didn't know how much of like a movie star bounce he was going to get off Guardians of the Galaxy. And I mean, it's been what, like 15 years or something since Jurassic Park three, and the second two Jurassic Park movies aren't even good, and no one remembers them fondly. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone talk about Jurassic Park three. No, just, it's, no one's ever. It's done a it. bad movie. No one. All the sequels are bad. And look, I listen. I was uh, the original Jurassic Park came out my freshman year of college. I saw it like four times in the theater. That was right when movie theaters, at least where I lived, started installing like Dolby Digital and surround sound and stuff, right. and making their screens bigger. So, I mean, it was a huge, huge, major, major event. And I think Jurassic Park is about as perfect of a summer film as they come. But I really did not think that there was this much goodwill around this franchise that it was going to do that kind of opening weekend. And well, the fact, see, and the fact the, that it's making $25 million a day since, based on word of mouth, boggles my fucking mind. Here's the thing with, um, I guess, I mean, it, it really it really did hit at the perfect time, uh, because as some other people said, you know, as Kurt has said, a couple other people, uh, I think there's, there is a little bit of, of cape fatigue going on. I agree with um, that because I mean the vast majority of our huge blockbusters uh, have all involved heroes in costumes. Which I mean, obviously they're still making a lot of money. Avengers two still made a, a crap load of money. It made a shitload, um, but maybe not quite as much as they thought it would. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, Avenger the first one was it's one of the top three highest grossing films of all time. You know, how do you follow that up? But yeah, so I mean, you know, there's a little bit of cape fatigue going on. Uh, plus. You know, like people that are our age that saw it in the theater, especially people around my age, just because you know I'm a little bit I'm a little younger than you. Just a little, uh, do right, just a little <laughs> bit, Bob. Um, you know, it it really hit my generation uh, extremely hard, just because I mean probably we harder at, than mine. Right, I mean it it just it hit at just that right age to to really have that lasting nostalgic impact. Uh, and people my, my age have kids now that are old enough to, you know, to go see, uh, to see those movies and have their minds blown, uh, because they've, you know, I mean, just dinosaurs as cool as they are just aren't very common, uh, on movie screens. And so it, it really is, it was kind of this rare event sort of thing. Cause I mean, you just don't get these sorts of, uh, this specific type uh, of summer movie. So, you know, combine that with the love that people obviously still have, uh, for the original film, and it it, it was just kind of, uh, I hate saying this, it really was just kind of a perfect storm. And now the crazy thing is, is that there are going to be 
there's going to be the Jurassic Park cinematic universe. Oh, <laughs> there, God. there are going oh, to be endless sequels God. to this thing. And it's just, I, I mean, look, this is a book and a movie, the original Michael Crichton book and the original Steven Spielberg movie that, re- that re- already resulted in one book sequel while Creighton was still alive that's garbage it's terrible three theatrical sequels that are all garbage they're all terrible even the one directed by Spielberg this is a movie and a story that should have never been sequelized in the first place it, it ended it, the it, story correct. that mattered it ended. it ended there's no existing threads to carry on there's no story threads to carry on with this was none a, of the characters this, should have returned this is a one-shot narrative and they somehow turned it into one book sequel three film sequels this sequel goes supernova at the box office and now we are going to get a million more god-awful things just like this and it is the, insane the only way that for me sequels work is if they really if they either uh just go really outlandish with it like you know jurassic universe or right. something where they're on an alien planet or some where shit. you know uh, yeah, I mean, they, they you know, planted, go, where they like, planted really, of the apes at, where the dinosaurs, yeah, where these new smart breed of dinosaurs are expanding to, you know, to the coast, to, right, you know, outside of Costa like Rica. Yeah. Or, but it's just, but that's so dumb. <laughs> or, on. you know, you find really, you've got to find like a really unique hook. Like the only, the only thing that I can really think of, like if they, because you can't really do a park again. I mean, you just can't. You, because absolutely that, not. I mean, even within the bounds of, of stretching your imagination, nobody would do it. Nobody would go to a park again on planet Earth. I mean, it's already um, ludicrous that... <laughs> right, that anyone would go to a dinosaur that, park that to begin somehow with. somehow Jurassic World is being insured. Right. After what happened would in the first three happen, movies. Wouldn't but, happen. Um, uh, but no, I, th- I, was actually, I was brainstorming this with uh, a friend of mine, and... Uh, you know, I think an, an interesting direction that you could take this, if you still wanted to kind of do the whole park thing, uh, was kind of have it, you know, turn it into, which they kind of did this in, in The Lost World, but didn't really expound on it, uh, didn't really make this the focus. I think it would make for an interesting focus. Uh, everybody hates pictures of those, you know, bourgeoisie, saf- you know, big game safari hunters, you know, all those assholes who post you know, pictures of them with dead giraffes and, and rhinoceroses. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you want to, if you really want to, uh, you know, capitalize on something like that, you know, turn, uh, have these dinosaurs that, you know, big game hunters go after, uh, you know, and have it be on this isolated preserve. Um, you know, that, I think, I think that would, pro, you know, pose some, uh, some interesting situations have some, you know, have a setup for some really colorful characters I, yeah. uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? but, it but I mean, that's, like that's really about. Na- it doesn't seem like much of a narrative, though. No, there I mean, isn't much of a narrative, I, but I mean, it's still again that, that's part of the I, problem. I just, I, like, I agree with where what do you said, go with this? It makes I, there's no nowhere sense. you go. This story was perfectly. The original book was perfectly designed to be a one shot story, and there, there was there was nothing else to do. You past know what that. it's going to be. You know what it's going to be. Okay, give it to like me. they're they're going to have like. It, it's it, you'll have a lost moment. We have to go back to the island, and Chris Pratt is going to be the one that has to go back to the island to like retrieve something, some MacGuffin or something I like mean, that. Again, and that's again, and that's what's going to happen. You're, you're basically redoing large parts of the second and third ones, then. And well, again. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand those movies are on a different island. There's these separate. There's there's Isla Sorna and Isla Nublar and all you know for the Jurassic Park mythology people out there. But I mean it's all basically the same shit. And uh, it's 
I can't imagine going to see another of these things. I can't. Uh, Stu, uh, it's not a Cult Spark podcast unless we fight about something. So I, <laughs> so I have to tell you that I, this movie sold me. Chris Pratt can absolutely be Indiana Jones. No, you're out of he you can. are out of your mind. Shut up, Bob. Listen. Shut. No. Listen. Shut. 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 Shut up. <laughs> listen. Shut up. Listen. The. My Seymour you you, <laughs> you saw this film before I did, and I saw you make the remark that he kind of just Burt Macklin's his way through the movie. Does, and that's kind does. of what I was expecting. He and does. and I, I didn't get it. I honestly didn't get much Macklin. I thought he was fairly good. In it. I mean, listen, he's doing dumb things in this movie with training the Raptors and the motorcycle bit and all that. But he's, he's pretty good as the straightforward, non-snarky action guy. He's pretty good convincing action here like it's not that he's physically incapable obviously he's physically capable uh you know i never like saw him like running oh he runs like an idiot or whatever it's just it's his it's his demeanor that just seems i i think he's better suited for the snarky peter quill type of role oh that 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 role was perfect i think he's better suited that way but in this film, where it's much more of a straightforward, straight, gruff action role, I thought he was good. And if we have to have a new indie, and Disney oh, is go- Disney oh. is going to demand that we have a new indie, no, I, I, I can't so, think of anyone better right now. I can't. You know why you can't think of any anything anyone better? Because there's no one. No one should play that part. At the now, they should remake Indiana Jones like forty years from now when we're all dead. That's not going to happen. Uh, listen, it should have been uh, Carl Urban from eight ten years ago could have done it. The best pick would have been eight eight ten years ago. Carl Urban, he's a no, little skinny, he's, skinny. Nathan Fillion would have been the best. Skinny Nathan Fillion would have been solid. Although he's kind of snarky, wisecracky is his general setting as well. He's snarky, wisecracky, but. Carl Urban is much more sort of gruff, take no nonsense, indie esque. See, he comes he comes across as a little too gruff to me. Mm. Well, then Pratt's your guy, Stu. Pratt is your guy. Shut up, Bob. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody. To- <laughs> thanks. See, I knew we had to go out on this. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. For podcasting with you again. Yeah, yeah. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out at cultspark.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Robert B. Taylor, and you can follow Stu at at Stu B. Do, and we'll be back soon. Bye.